0: Hello. Hola. Marhaba bikum.
1: Welcome to Your Planet from AFP, brought to you in association with The Conversation. I'm Anna Cunningham. With the help of AFP's journalists based around the world, we're exploring the solutions that could create a more sustainable future for our planet. From wealthy countries to developing nations, the ideas are out there and some of them may surprise you. In our first episode, we took a deep dive into the Anthropocene, the name given to a new epoch that many scientists believe planet Earth has entered, a time those experts say is marked by humanity's unprecedented footprint on the Earth. This time, I want you to come with me back to the 1980s when we had one big problem, a giant hole in the Earth's ozone layer. It was a frightening prospect But we managed to overcome it and there are lessons to be learned for today's widespread challenges posed by the climate crisis. This is Your Planet from AFP. For years there have been warnings.
0: The aim is to make pleasures like sunbathing less dangerous than they are now when the ozone layer no longer acts as an effective filter against ultraviolet rays which cause skin cancer, leaving us to burn as we tan.
1: If we step back to the 1980s, then the warnings were stark, focusing on the ozone layer and a gaping big hole. We were all going to fry. If we didn't resolve this, we were told, and we needed to do it quickly. Scientists had discovered that chlorofluorocarbons, better known as CFCs, have made a massive hole in the ozone layer, the very layer of Earth's atmosphere, that's there to protect us against the sun's harmful ultraviolet rays. Without it, we're more at risk of sunburn, skin cancers and cataracts. CFCs were in use everywhere, especially in aerosol hairsprays. But we can't just blame the followers of fashion back in the 80s because those CFC gases were not only found in aerosols but also in fridges and air conditioning systems. But resolve it, we did. The hole in the ozone reduced because of the actions taken worldwide. So how did we make it work? (laughs) It was on May the 16th, 1985, that three scientists from the British Antarctic Survey published their findings in a respected journal Nature. It alarmed the world. They had detected low levels of ozone in the atmosphere over the South Pole. This was the start. The ozone layer was shrinking at a terrifying rate and CFCs were the issue. Alarms were ringing around the world. Skip forward to 1987, and it was a proud moment for the United Nations who documented their achievements. In our long history, there is one unprecedented act of
2: humanity in which every country on Earth came together to protect the future of life on Earth. The Montreal Protocol.
1: The global agreement protected the stratospheric ozone layer by phasing out the production and consumption of nearly 100 man-made chemicals known as ozone-depleting substances. Within a decade, all countries had signed. It's one of the rare treaties that has achieved universal ratification. Cathy Clerbo is a physicist at the Free University of Brussels. She monitors changes in the atmosphere. For her, the progress is evident. We have completely stopped emissions of these CFCs,
0: and since then we can see that the situation has stabilized. The problem is not completely solved, but that's normal because this gas remains in the atmosphere for a very long time. And so in recent years we've seen a recovery in the ozone hole, which is growing less and less each year. And we think that it will continue in this way until somewhere around 2060, 2070, when we'll be back to the conditions we had before we emitted these
1: CFCs. Kathy is not the only one with confidence. The United Nations Environment Project asserts that without the Montreal Protocol, ozone depletion would have increased tenfold by 2050, with millions more cancers and eye cataracts. It's estimated that by 2030, the treaty will have saved some 2 million people every year from skin cancer. Gilbert Beza is head of legal affairs at the UN Ozone Secretariat in Nairobi, Kenya. He's proud to have witnessed the negotiations and the signing of the Montreal Protocol.
2: During the negotiations of the Montreal Protocol, the governments agreed that the phase out of ozone substances are not to go at the same schedule. The European countries were engaging a ten-year grace period that attracted the support.
1: Countries. For Gilbert, there were several elements that clinched the deal and subsequent agreement in Montreal. The fact that wealthier countries agreed to financially support developing nations in tackling the ozone issue was one. Also, that the UN's ozone secretariat would do yearly progress checks. But the key there was if countries didn't meet their targets, there wasn't any punishment, but other mechanisms were put in place to help them back on track. Another key was that this was approached as a one world problem that needed fixing.
2: From the beginning, we felt that they were dealing with a global situation which requires sort of common bonding to keep everybody in the tent.
1: So success, everyone was on board, which kind of begs the question, why not now? Can what happened in the 80s be an inspiration to protecting Earth's climate now? Well, yes and no. Let's get Professor Joita Gupta from Amsterdam's Institute of Social Sciences to explain. She's one of the world's leading experts on sustainable development. So the Montreal
2: Protocol was easy to organize because I think there were only 13 multinationals at that time to control producing those CFCs. And if I'm not mistaken, the Montreal Protocol included the introduction of two CFC substitutes, which became later was known to be greenhouse gases. Now, in the case of the Montreal Protocol, it was relatively easy. 13 companies, let's get together and let's organize a process of phasing out CFCs. So that was relatively easy to do and it showed that the world could come together and come to an agreement on this particular issue. But it was an easy issue. It's not like climate change where fossil fuel is, everybody is creating it, everybody is using it. Even the smallest farmer has is using a diesel generator or is using a light that comes from a fossil fuel plant. So, you know,
1: everybody needs fossil fuels. Climate activists today see the Montreal Protocol as a real benchmark. They advocate that it tackled the source of the problem, namely CFCs. But what about a more recent treaty? Well, the Paris Climate Agreement, that requires a reduction in greenhouse gas emissions. But the key difference is it didn't name the main culprits, coal, oil and gas, The UN says these are by far the largest contributors to global climate change, accounting for over 75% of global greenhouse gas emissions.
2: We keep saying reduce the emissions and that is not even half the story. The story is can we stop fossil fuel producers to... Uh, further do exploration of fossil fuels and expansion. The problem is, policy makers in the Global North are sympathetic to these multinational companies who are responsible for this crisis because they are the ones who uh, were hiding the fact. They knew what their business model, their extraction of fossil fuels is going to do to the atmosphere.
1: Jitsing is passionate about this. He's the Global Partnerships Director for a campaign group advocating for the Fossil Fuel Non-Proliferation Treaty Initiative. It calls for a ban on oil and gas exploration and the opening of new oil and gas fields and coal mines. Researchers have identified and pinpointed the locations of the world's largest fossil fuel extraction projects, 195 gigantic oil and gas projects that they say would each result in at least a billion tonnes of CO2 emissions over their lifetimes. In total, the equivalent to about 18 years of current global CO2 emissions. They've labelled them carbon or climate bombs.
2: The only way we can do it is actually bringing everybody to the table as part of a global agreement and say, keep it in the ground and then ask the question, what will it take for you to keep it in the ground? What support you need? If we leave countries on, our, on, on their own, if we allow Uganda to continue to uh, you know, uh, drill and dig, and same with Kenya and same with Timor-Leste, what will happen to the overall climate system? We have seen successes with Montreal Protocol because we focused on supply and international cooperation, those elements are also at the heart of the fossil fuel non-proliferation treaty initiative.
1: There is a civil society campaign driving this fossil fuel non-proliferation treaty initiative. Behind it are a number of Pacific countries including Vanuatu and Tuvalu. The European Parliament supports the move as do cities such as Paris and Los Angeles. The International Energy Agency is also calling for a halt to all new investment in fossil fuels. The fossil fuel debate is a hot topic. Victor Court, an economist, explains why it was not at the heart of the Paris Climate Agreement.
0: You have to realise that energy, and oil in particular, has completely shaped the way our society is organised and how it works. Let's say you had your spleen removed. You'd make a few adjustments to your lifestyle, right? So that's the CFC ban, which means the problem of the ozone layer is resolved. But say you're then told you need to complete a total blood transfusion, all new blood in been your been veins. How do you do it?
1: There is resistance from the oil industry. It insists the world isn't ready to stop because demand outstrips the current availability of renewable energy supplies. Olivier Gantois is the president of the French Union of Petroleum Industries. For him, it's a big issue. If you stop the investment and exploration of new oil fields, you'd need to restrict oil supply. He says that would have unmanageable consequences.
0: It's going to be a free-for-all, and the price will be 200 300 even $400 a barrel in some countries. We're very firm on that. If you turn off the oil supply tap, well, you will simply be creating chaos in society. It would be an impact we can't even imagine.
2: Macron
0: l'a, sentu, qui se glisse dans la, rue. la Révolte. La révolte.
1: Gantois says the Gilets jaunes protest movement in France was a warning sign. Their demonstrations across the country were partly prompted by a rise in carbon tax on fuel.
2: You've seen
0: what that's done in France, haven't you? On a global scale, we're heading for major social problems and major inequalities because, of course, it's rich countries that will be able to pay more and will have the oil. But the poorest won't have any. It will be a disaster.
1: Let's go back to some thoughts from Victor Court, the economist. For him, digging deeper into the debate on banning fossil fuels raises some fundamental questions.
0: We need a collective democratic discussion about what we want to keep and what we are willing to give up. It's not right that we should be able to fly 3 or 4 times a year, or even 10 or 15 times. Maybe we need to have a quota, or the right to travel one long-haul flight per person in their lifetime. Healthcare systems, education availability, that is what we need to keep. If we don't make democratic choices together today, deciding what we want to keep and don't, I'm convinced that all this will be imposed by force in 2040, perhaps in 2030 or in 2050.
2: 40, 2000, 2030 or
1: Flying long haul once in your life, will it ever really come to that? We've delved deep into the debates and the questions. Next time here on Your Planet, we'll explore further our dependence on fossil fuels. Join us then. To read more about the ozone layer, you can find an article written especially for our podcast. It's on The Conversation and it's by Cathy Clairbeau. Details are on our page. I'm Anna Cunningham and this has been an AFP audio production brought to you in association with The Conversation. Production by Camille Kaufman. The executive producer is Michaela Cancela kiefer Sound design is by Nicolas Verre. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And we'd welcome your thoughts. You can reach us by email, podcasts at As always, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review so others know where to find us. Thanks for listening.